Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Salt to Salam, Rabbi Ari Kiedman. Great to be with you here this afternoon. And as promised, I'm going to share with you some insights from our exciting brand new JLI Tanya series, where we are going to be exploring some concepts that are explained in Tanya that will hopefully enhance one's living that you can feel good however you feel. And you're always welcome to join us live in class where we have text, in-text booklets for you to participate and follow along with, as well as video and PowerPoint presentations, and of course, interactive discussion. So let's get cracking on one of the ideas that are a central theme of the Tanya. It's a question that a lot of people perhaps ask themselves often, dealing with personal issues of how do I feel? Why do I sometimes feel like I'm a fake? Why do I sometimes feel like I'm just not in the mood? I'm not, I'm just not there. And I think it's an important question, but it doesn't mean you're a hypocrite or an imposter just because you don't always feel in the right place. And indeed, while we often can't control what happens to us, this is a theme of Viktor Frankl as he observed in the concentration camps, but he says we can control our emotional reactions and our responses. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about our emotions. And instead of focusing, instead of providing you with individual solutions to the various emotional issues and our personal um, symptoms that we individually experience, we're going to focus instead on creating some kind of a shift in perspective that will hopefully help us resolve whatever issues we are experiencing. So let's talk a little bit about your emotions. What feelings do you have? Sometimes we have negative emotions, sometimes positive emotions. And I want to specifically qualify what are negative emotions. It's not just, well, yeah, I don't feel good, I feel bad, or positive emotions that feel good. Negative emotions are uncomfortable. They put us into a negative space. We feel bad. And positive emotions are pleasant. They make us feel good. And I'm not talking here about... Morally bad and good emotions. If you're taking joy in someone else's personal downfall or feeling in love with someone else's spouse or if you got some arrogance, even if it's a positive feeling, it is repugnant. It's morally repugnant. So that's not what we're talking about here. We're going to talk specifically about feelings that are morally correct, sometimes even necessary. Sadness could be a good feeling if it is properly placed. The same about guilt and remorse and the same about so many other feelings that we go through that sometimes might feel negative. Think about, let's start with some negative feelings and then we'll get into some positive ones. So if I were to ask you, is anger a good feeling? Obviously not. It's a negative emotion. But if you're angry about a particular instance, something that happened in your life that got you angry, then it's appropriate. And you could say the same about different feelings as long as they're not misplaced. 
whether it's anxiety or despair. I don't think a person should ever despair. We ought never to give up hope in any aspect or instance in our life. Disappointment. Yes, we sometimes disappointed, whether with ourselves or with whatever circumstance or situation we're facing. Fear, as much as it's a negative emotion, could be healthy. And grief. We're told in the Gemara it's repugnant for one not to feel sad and grief when they've experienced a tragedy. Guilt, if I've done something wrong, I should feel it. And you could go through every kind of feeling. I'm not going to go through all of them. But the point is, whether it's our past, right, or present and even future. So anger might be for a feeling of the past or shame, but there are feelings that might be future-oriented, such as anxiety, worry, right? We might be worried about something that hasn't yet happened. But we want to move away from the negative emotions. So let's talk about positive emotions. Because what I hope to share with you are insights that will help us move on from a negative state into a more positive one. And hopefully, we could always experience more of the positive emotional state. Now, that's an important question. Why? Because obviously, it's important that we get away from negativity. But what's wrong with negative emotions? Why are positive emotions so important? Now, of course, practically speaking, that's a silly question. Negative emotions simply don't feel good. You're not in a good place. And positive emotions do. But I'd like to share with you that there's a much deeper reason why positive emotions aren't just about feeling good. And that's why we turn to Tanya. Because in Tanya we learn about the harm of negative emotions and the importance of positivity in our lives. So imagine there are two wrestlers in a ring. One is clearly larger, stronger. His muscles are visibly ripping. And then you got the other one's the small weakling. Who's going to win this wrestling match, I ask you? Or perhaps another example. Imagine a drag race between a Ferrari and an old beaten up jalopy. Which car is going to win the race? Now, obviously, it seems like the stronger fellow or the Ferrari. But as we discover, as explained in Tanya, the stronger fighter isn't necessarily the one who's going to always be victorious. As the saying goes, it's not the size of the man in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the man. And the same thing we could say about the drag race. The Ferrari should win. It has a bigger engine. It's got more horsepower. Its body is aerodynamically shaped for quicker acceleration and speed. But what if the Ferrari is out of petrol? Who's going to win the race then? And as we all know, life has got struggles. We have our challenges every single day. Every moment of every day, we've got struggles. And God has given each and every one of us the tools necessary for us to be victorious in our life struggles. We are stronger than our weaknesses. 
We are that muscular wrestler. We are the the Ferrari. But you ain't going to win if you're lazy and sluggish. If the car is out of petrol, then you can't drive. And as people, we lose our drive as well if we don't have what it takes. And so this is a concept that's explained in Tanya, the, the idea how our negative emotions is the cause of the laziness. So here you have a very important idea. There is no such thing, the Alter Rebbe, the author of Tanya, explains as a lazy person. Laziness is not a condition, but it is a symptom. If you feel lazy, if you're feeling sluggish, that emotional heavy feeling, it simply means you're uninspired. You don't have that excitement, enthusiasm about whatever it is you're facing. We're in a negative emotional space. Let me ask you a question. If someone were to offer you a fully paid holiday trip to Mauritius, all expenses covered, you'll stay at the most posh hotels, you'll have glut kosher world-class cuisine served to you by Rabbi and Rebbetz and Barbara the Chabad Shluchim there in Mauritius. You got your tours and scuba diving the works. The catch is the plane is departing in 24 hours. Let me ask you, even if you're a lazy person, I got a very strong feeling that you're not going to be so lazy when it comes to this trip. And why do you think that is? Why would a lazy person suddenly be unlazy? And the answer simply is because this excites them. So why then am I lazy in other areas of my life? Because I'm unexcited about those. And so the reason why perhaps we stumble, why we fall sometimes in life's struggle, yes, it could be laziness, it could be sluggishness, but that's only a symptom. The core issue is not the laziness, but the negative emotion that causes the laziness. So here's a common example a lot of people perhaps struggle with, not talking a spiritual matter, but dieting. Personally, I don't want to diet. So... I don't diet because I don't want to diet. But I imagine that most people who have tried a diet, whether for weight loss or overall health reasons, whatever the reason might be, it's probably fair to assume that some people have experienced failure in their dieting. I know I have. Why is it? The day when the diet went out the window, when we didn't have the strength to resist the urge, the temptation, and we downed that cake, we ate a whole thing of ice cream. What was going on that day? Were we just feeling carefree, light, energetic? What was going on? I wasn't, I didn't want to end my diet so quickly. But oftentimes we lose that fight, we have the fight taken out of us. The truth is we know we're stronger than our temptations and urges, but maybe not that day. So the secret to successful diet or winning any of life's struggles is not just about willpower, as many people believe, but we have to eliminate, we have to avoid that toxic negative emotion. So yes, indeed, willpower is key to winning our struggles. But it's the negative emotions 
that rob us of the willpower. So what is it that fuels our struggles? Back in Titania, it's explained that when we have positivity, when we have, when we're in a positive emotional state, then we are in more control of our lives. In fact, the word besimcha, joy, has the same letters as the word machshava, which means it's a state of mind. And therefore, life's fuel is that positive emotion. If we can employ the concept of moach shalit alalev, using our mind to control our emotions, that is so important. Because say your car breaks down or you run out of petrol, what happens? Everything goes kaput. And the same thing, positive emotion gives us the ability to be successful in every area of our life at every moment of every day. It literally impacts everything. And the flip side is that many of us perhaps had moments in our lives when there was a large or difficult task that we accomplished. Why? Because we were excited, we were happy, we are in a positive emotional space. But when we're in the negative sta- state, then all the things fall apart. To quote Rabbi Aaron of Karlin, he said, there's no biblical commandment mandating that you always be happy and joyous. And likewise, he says that sadness, melancholy is not a sin, but joy accomplishes what no mitzvah can and the negative emotional state causes damage that no sin can. And just as a medical practitioner focused primarily not on curing the symptoms, but on healing the underlying issues, in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, who perhaps you could say was a doctor of the soul, a doctor of the spirit, speaks not about symptoms, not about local breakdowns and failures, but more about the cause, which he describes as negative emotions. And so this is very important for us, because in order for us to serve God, Yes, there's a mitzvah, serve God with joy. But joy, that joy of a mitzvah, the joy of studying Torah, that's the fuel of life. So as we said, our problem in life becomes, any problems you have, become that much more difficult, are exacerbated a hundredfold when we have negative emotions within ourselves. And those negative emotions, they just empty us of the fuel necessary to win life's struggles and challenges. And so over the coming weeks, we are going to talk about tools that Tanya shares with us, that inspires us to live our lives, to live our lives with more positive emotion. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And welcome back to Soul to Salam Rabbi Ari Kivman. Today we're talking about life's struggles and challenges, which to be frank and honest, happen every single day. And in the book of Tanya, it explains that we all have the tools that are necessary to actually be victorious, to champion, to be triumphant over our personal struggles. But we will not win if we are lazy. And as we explained before, laziness is a symptom. It is not a core problem. It's not a condition of itself. It comes from our negative emotional state. And the same thing Positive emotion, 
as we said, is the fuel. It is that petrol that allows us to be victorious in our struggles. So because our life struggle is constant, we need some more joy. We need to infuse our lives with that simcha. And then we know that we're going to be in a more positive state. I see there were some messages coming through. If anyone wants to message us here in the studio, just send a telegram to 061-895-1019 or send an SMS to 34519. And I'll be happy to engage in your questions. And as I said, we're going to be focusing on some concepts and ideas that are explained in Tanya. And in the introduction of Tanya, the author of the Alter Rebbe tells us that it is a guide for a struggler. It is a safer Shalbain and it's for the average person who has whatever struggles in life. But the struggles of life, we're not talking about between good and bad. We're not talking about between, there's lots of things that people might think of. We're talking here about our two souls. Now, I'm sure many people are familiar with the idea, as explained in Kabbalah, that we all possess two souls, not just one. We have two souls. One is our godly soul, and the other is known as our natural soul, or animal soul. And this is a concept that's explained at the beginning of Tanya, the idea that we all possess these two souls. One is the source, the animal souls, the source of our negative character traits, whether it's anger or pride, whatever it might be that we feel is within us. And obviously it's where our unholy desires come from. However, it explains in Tanya that this animal soul is also the life force. It's the source of our good character traits, such as mercy, kindness. Now, one might be wondering, how could the animal soul be the source of our good character traits if it is sourced in unholiness, as is explained? But let's first go to the godly soul, and then I'll try to get back to the animal soul. You see, the godly soul is our life force. It is, it is the godly soul which is, as explained in Tanya, it's an actual part of God. It's a chelik alika, an actual part of God. Whereas the nefesh of Bahamas translates as our animal soul. Now, it's not that animals possess the soul, it's a uniquely human soul. And it's very different from the souls that animals do have. It's far more sophisticated. It has greater intelligence. Right? We're, we're human beings. We're homo sapiens. We know our personality. It's called an animal soul because of its qualities that it has in common with animals. And that is the drive for self-preservation, for self-gratification, for self-centeredness. So... This animal soul, also known as the nefesh ha-tivis, the natural soul, is self-oriented. It seeks pleasure and enjoyment and is always focused on whatever will make it feel good. Just like an animal. An animal wants instant gratification. An animal's short-sighted. It's all about what can I gain here and now. And then, of course, the divine soul, by contrast, which is described as literally a part of God, it's a spark of godliness. The soul or source of energy is focused more on God, on its purpose, on fulfilling its mission and divine destiny in this world. 
So the divine soul is constantly thinking, what's my purpose? What am I here for? Whereas the animal soul is thinking, what's in it for me? Perhaps we could think of the statement by John F. Kennedy, who said, ask not what your country could do for you, ask what you could do for your country. And the truth is, in Tanya, Rabbi Shner Zaman of Liadi talks exactly about this idea and says, stop being so focused on everything that you need. But sometimes you got to ask yourself the question, what am I needed for? What is my purpose and mission in this world? Reminds me of the story of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, on his visit to the United States in 1929. And he visited with many communities and dignitaries and rabbis, even with the president Hoover at the time. And he went to visit a certain tailor in Manhattan. This tailor was one of New York's finest haberdashery fashion artists. And he asks the rabbi, okay, how can I help you? How much do you want a check for? And the rabbi says, put the checkbook away. I didn't come for money. I came because I need my button on my jacket sewn. And the tailor looks at the rabbi incredulously, says, really? You came all the way from Europe just so I could sew your buttons? I know some very talented tailors back in Latvia where he was living at the time. They could have sewn it for you. What's the real purpose you came here? And with that, the Alter Rebbe, the, the previous Rebbe smiled at him and said, same with you. Do you think you came into this world just to sew some buttons, just to be a tailor? You have a talent and you ought to use it. But don't get stuck there. Don't think you're here just to sew some buttons. As a certain businessman in the boot industry was so engrossed in his business that his Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab once said to him, Feet in galoshes and boots I've seen about a cop in galoshes, but to see one's head stuck in the boots, that is novel. That is unbelievable. We have to not lose sight of our purpose in this world. And so it is the natural soul, the animal soul, that's focused on itself like animals are. And so the Alter Rebbe informs us that, in fact, the ultimate battleground of life that each of any, every one of us faces every single day is exactly this. It's not about a battle of good and evil, right versus wrong. And to think about it, when you, the battle between our divine and natural souls is not necessarily of good and evil. Sometimes it might be, but rather it's between self-centeredness and mission-centeredness. The natural soul could actually drive us to do good. But why are we doing good? You know, it feels good to do good deeds, to help someone out. So if I'm giving charity so people will say, hey, look at me, then you know that that charity is not coming from the right place. Even though it's a good deed, it's driven by self-centeredness. And therefore, I got to move away from a state of selfishness into a state of selflessness. And again, it's not just about what I'll do although that's important, but it's about who I am, my identity. Sometimes both souls agree on the same thing. We both want to do something good. But even in both cases, the question is, what is the motiv- what's the motivation? We can think of ourselves as having two hard drives 
and one computer screen. And we can only be plugged into one hard drive at a given time. So when we're back, we'll talk about some of the differences between the two souls. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Salt Islam, Rabbi Ari Kivan. And today we've been talking about some fundamental ideas explained in Tanya. And we spoke about the idea of the ultimate battleground of life, which is our struggle between our divine, or say our selfless mission and purpose-oriented soul versus our natural or animal soul that's more self-centered. And we spoke about the difference between it's not just about good versus bad or right versus wrong. It's not necessarily about good and evil. And the battle is not only about what we do, but it's rather about who we are. And also we talked about how the battle between the divine and natural souls is constant. It's ever-present. It's not only when we are presented with a moral choice, but every moment, every day, we are constantly in the state. And perhaps to illustrate this, we could look at a concept that's ex- described the idea, perhaps um, the prophet Yeshayahu Isaiah says, that those who are humble are always happy. Now, for humility, there are two words in Hebrew. And they're very similar. One is anav and the other is shafal. They both describe a person who is humble. But let me explain to you the difference. The word shafal implies somebody who is meek, lacks in self-confidence. Basically, they don't think very much of themselves. Whereas the word anav, it's a word describing Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses was the most humble of all people. That's not a person who thinks less about themselves. Just they think about themselves a little bit less often. It's someone who lives with their divine soul life. Their humility comes from a place that isn't just thinking about themselves constantly. And it's the anaf that Isaiah is describing as a happier person because they're not focused on themselves, which puts them in the negative emotional state. And so let's conclude today with one practical tool that we could take from all this. Remember we said that properly defining the struggle is important because once we know what the struggle is, then hopefully we could resolve it. As the Gemara tells us, when a person knows their disease, that's already half the cure. So let me give you one example of this that will perhaps simplify the idea of this struggle and help us resolve in our personal state, go moving from negativity to more positivity. And this, a lot of people deal with this issue. It's called the imposter syndrome. And it's something I mentioned earlier. And the basic idea of imposter syndrome, which a lot of people experience, is that they tell themselves, who am I? What am I, a fake? What am I? Do I really, uh, you know, I see people that tell me, why should I put on tefillin? I'd be hypocrit- it would be hypocritical. I don't keep kosher. I should wear tefillin. Just to read, with you, to read to you a short excerpt of an article describing this syndrome. And it says as follows, have you ever felt like you don't belong? Like your friends or colleagues are going to discover you're a fraud and you don't actually deserve your job and accomplishments? If so, you're in good company. These feelings are known as imposter syndrome or what psychologists often call the imposter phenomenon. 
An estimated 70% of people experience these imposter feelings at some point in their lives. Imposter syndrome affects all kinds of people from all parts of life, women, men, medical students, marketing managers, actors, executives, very successful people. Imposter syndrome can apply to anyone who is enabled to internalize only and own their successes. This is a syndrome that a lot of perfectionists go through. Sometimes we can't get excited. We fail to capitalize on the full range of positive emotions that are available to us. Why? We just feel like a hypocrite, like we're pretending. So, for example, somebody brings a gift to his spouse. I don't bring flowers every hour of Shabbos, so I feel like a fake this Shabbos. You did a mitzvah. You gave whatever mitzvah it might be. And you say, but I'm not so religious. So I feel like a fake doing this mitzvah. And perhaps the idea that we could glean from today's discussion, and there's a lot more, and I encourage you to study and learn some Tanya to really understand it, is that we are drawn in opposite directions because we possess both souls, our godly soul and our animal soul. And that's why sometimes we feel like a hypocrite, like an imposter, because if I follow my animal soul's instinctive, emotional way of behaving, then I feel like I'm in the wrong place. But I ought to realize, as Tanya teaches us, that because we have two souls, it doesn't mean I'm a fake. It means that this moment... I perhaps followed my animal soul. But the moment I follow my godly soul, then I'm being 100% authentic to its purpose and mission. And therefore, I just have to tune a little bit more into my selfless, mission, and purpose-driven godly soul. And a little bit less to my selfish, self-centered, egocentric animal soul. And when I do that, then I'm living my life in a more purpose and mission-oriented way. And therefore, my friends, over the next couple of weeks, as we learn today, we focus on our positive emotions because that is paramount for successful living. And we, when we find ourselves in a state of negativity, then we got to work on just pulling ourselves out of that state. Yes, it takes some work. It requires effort. Nothing happens on its own. And please, God, next week, you're welcome to join me on Wednesday morning at Chabad Savoy, Chabad House, or at Santon Central Shul, Chabad Kirsch Goodness and Kindness Center, across the Chow Train, 7.15 p.m., where we're going to discuss shame and inadequacy, frustrations of life. And we're going to see why did God make character flaws? Why do we have our shortcomings as human beings? Why is that a human condition? And we will learn how we're able to maintain genuine optimism and positivity despite whatever flaws we possess. And maybe we could be good even with our flaws, even with our shortcomings, if that's the way God made us. So I look forward to discuss these matters with you, whether you join us at our class next week or right here on the radio where I will be giving you a summary and recap some of the important ideas that we discuss. But for now, let me leave you with one of my favorite important lines, which is, failure is not getting knocked down. Failure is only if you stay down. So the next time you get knocked down, the next time you make a mistake, 
Remember that song from the 90s. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Pick yourself up again. Dust off and move on. For now, wishing you, my dear friends, a wonderful, meaningful Shabbos. Hope some of the ideas today settle in and review them, internalize them, and we'll discuss more next week. Shabbat Shalom. Stay tuned for the next, for the news up next.